0: ACAST recommends. Podcasts we love.
1: Well, it's a quiz. But this time, it's a podcast. Yes! With me, Makita Oliver. I was going to go with that at first, you know, I really was. I love a quiz. I'm nervous. Aww! How many edges does a 20p have? Uh... Oh my gosh. Oh my
0: God, I'm doing so badly.
1: We will quiz, we will chat, and then we will repeat. Forever. Just search Quiz Chat Repeat in your podcast app.
0: Acast powers the world's best podcasts, including the Adam Buxton Podcast, Growing Up with Galdem, and the one you're listening to right now.
2: Welcome to Mod Path Chat, the official podcast of Modern Pathology. Featuring interviews with authors and experts on the latest science, technology, and developments in the field of pathology. Your host, Dr. George Netto, is the Editor in Chief of Modern Pathology and the Chair of Pathology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Here's Dr. Netto. Welcome to a new episode of
3: Mod Path Chat. My guest today is Dr. Ralph Ruban, Professor and Chair of Pathology and the Director of the Soul Goldman Pancreatic Cancer Center at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Rubin is one of the world authority on pancreatic cancer, if not the world authority. The impact of his scientific contribution to our understanding of molecular underpinnings of pancreatic cancer and its precursors, that's a specific area of his interest, could not be overstated. His work has been cited by over 180,000 publications, just to give you an idea how important his work is. Ralph is joining me today to discuss his recently accepted publication in Modern Pathology. The solicited review deals with the genetics of ductal adenocarcinoma of the pancreas. Thank you, Ralph, for accepting our invitation.
4: Thank you, George. It's such a pleasure to join you uh, this morning. It's great to see you and in, in, in these times of the COVID-19 pandemic, to be able to share some time with you and, and uh, with the readers of your extraordinary journal, Modern Path. It's a real pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you,
3: George. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, it's our honor to have you on this series. So I uh, usually start with what led you to do the study. But given the fact that this is a solicit review, I do know what led you to, to, to share with us study, uh, so this was on the heel of the uh, Pan Cancer Atlas uh, publication. And uh, can you share with our audience uh, a couple of words about uh, what is that Pan Cancer Atlas uh, activity all about?
4: yeah thanks George it's it's really quite extraordinary it's the integration of the TCGA, um, you know the cancer genome atlas the United States effort to sequence cancers with together with the international uh, uh, cancer genome Consortium the ICGC they pooled their data and now have this extraordinary data set that includes emerging of these two huge data sets uh, includes I think over two 2,600 cancers from 38 cancer types and just really create such an extraordinary resource uh, for uh, investigators, for pathologists, that I I thought of it and I said, I I just have to to write about it. And the second thing, for someone who loves history, medical history, this just got, you you and I have lived through such an extraordinary time in cancer genetics, and and the pan-cancer atlas kind of got me thinking back uh, to where we were and where we're going. And uh, one of my favorite uh, quotations is from, from Sir William Osler, who was the first head of uh, medicine here at Hopkins, and he wrote, "To have lived through a revolution, to have seen a new birth of science, a new dispensation of health, reorganized medical schools, remodeled hospitals, a new outlook for humanity is not given to every generation and you know that that quotation is as applicable today that to have been able to live through this wonderful genetic revolution in cancer biology is, is such an for me
3: that is wonderful and uh I know your passion for history and uh, and, and it's uh, it’s not an overstatement to say that you you and your team contributed a lot to our understanding of whole exome analysis of all pancreatic uh, cancer type, mainly the ductile but but all other precursors. And so let's let’s switch gears and and focus on what this pancancer analysis uh, led you uh, to put together on on the, the topic. Uh, since this is uh, we have limitation on time, we probably will, uh, will touch upon the germline uh, section and uh, if we have some time for the pre-cancer and we'll leave the uh, invasive cancer for another day. So as far as germline, can you share with us, uh, summarize, what are the salient uh, points that you would like our audience to remember?
4: Yeah, thanks, George. So, uh, broadly, so the this Pin cancer atlas obviously talked about all cancer types, and there were some themes that ran through it, that uh, most cancers have four to five uh, driver gene mutations, uh, that chromothripsis, the su- sudden rupturing of a shattering of a chromosome, uh, occurs in a, in a significant fraction uh, and early in, in many cancers, uh, that uh, deleterious germline variants are common, um, and across all cancer types. So when we talk about pancreatic cancer, just remind the audience that this what we're talking about is probably true for almost all cancer types. And in pancreatic cancer, it's quite remarkable. Probably 10 to 20% of uh, uh, people who develop pancreatic cancer have a germline mutation, a deleterious germline variant that predisposes them to develop cancer. Even if they don't have a family history of cancer, uh, uh, these can occur. And these That's are-, are yeah yeah and there's there's they're obviously critically important um, for the individual 's family to because if they have a deleterious germline variant they they risk passing it on to their offspring or uh, their brothers and sisters would be at risk so uh, it's important to know what those are in terms of uh, uh, counseling the other members of the family but second and quite remarkably, if you think of uh, the targetable mutations therapeutically targetable mutations in pancreatic cancer the Somatic mutations uh, are there's not a lot of money there, but boy, in the germline there is. And in particular, uh, uh, BRCA1, BRCA2, and PALB2, the Fanconi anemia genes, Mm -hmm. are often uh, can be mutated in the germline. And in those individuals, their cancers can be specifically treated uh, uh, to take advantage of that. There's a saying: if you have a skeleton in your closet, you may as well make them dance. Um, So if you've got a deleterious germline variant, uh, take advantage of it, and and patients can get treated with a PARP inhibitor, and some of these cancers just melt away. It's really quite remarkable. So now, because of this uh, growing body of evidence that germline mutations occur in 10 to 20% of patients with pancreatic cancer, that they're important for the family, and, and they're very important for the patient to guide their therapy, the current guidelines uh, are that every patient with pancreatic cancer should undergo germline testing. And I think this is going to open up a, a, a much better understanding of how cancer develops, why it develops, and importantly, to be a benefit to to our patients. So I'm, I'm very excited about germline testing. Excellent.
3: So just just to uh, to reiterate, so basically now the NCCN recommendation is to do germline mutation on every patient with pancreatic cancer. And that's not only triggered by the fact that it's potentially 10 to 20% of any pancreatic cancer patient may have that uh, if, if you catch them in a familial setting. But in general, there is a significant ratio,
4: right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and you know, ten years ago, we would say to a patient, "Oh, if you're of Ashkenazi Jewish heritage, because there's some founder mutations, the six one seven four del T BRCA two mutation, or if you have a strong family history of cancer or pancreatic cancer, consider germline testing." But it turns out we were missing a number of individuals, those who had a germline uh, uh, deleterious germline variant but didn't have a, a strong family cancer history. They may have come from a small family. Um, uh, or uh, the gene just wasn't uh, penetrant in that family. Uh, remember, just because you have a germline mutation doesn't mean you're going to get cancer. It means you're at increased risk for getting cancer. That is uh, very, very intriguing.
3: I... Uh... I guess we got spoiled uh, initially by the MSI and a couple of cancers, uh, the BRCA and breast, triple negative, where you can expect the mutation married to a certain morphology. Uh, Nowhere else uh, more than kidney, for example, kidney tumors. Uh, Is that the case in pancreatic cancer? What's the correlation between all these uh, genes, uh, germline genes, and the morphology? Any clues?
4: Yeah, so that's a, a great question. It turns out there, there. you mentioned MSI and, of course, the medullary histology of microsatellite instability, but beyond that, there isn't uh, much of a clue. We've shown that there are increased numbers of precursor lesions in individuals with a strong family history, suggesting it's more like familial adenomatous polyposis with a lot of polyps, if you will, um, but there's surprisingly little uh, correlation between the morphology uh, and Uh, the germline changes and this of course is why the NC the, the guidelines recommend that everyone gets testing tested regardless of the morphology
0: ACAST recommends podcasts we love
1: well it's a quiz but this time it's a podcast yes With me, Makita Oliver.
3: I was going to go with that at first, you know, I really was.
1: I love a quiz.
0: I'm nervous.
1: Aww. How many edges does a 20p have? Uh, Oh my gosh. Oh my
0: God, I'm doing so badly.
1: We will quiz, we will chat, and then we will repeat. Forever. Just search quiz, chat, repeat in your podcast app.
0: Acast powers the world's best podcasts, including the Adam Buxton podcast, Growing Up with Galdem, and the one you're listening to right now.
3: One interesting uh, germline is that PRSS1, hopefully I'm saying, and uh, it's the hereditary pancreatitis, which probably is just unique to pancreas. Can you expand a little bit about that? <laughs>
4: Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, almost all uh, deleterious germline variants increase the risk of other cancer types, not just pancreatic cancer. So it's uh, in familial atypical mole melanoma, the germline P16, the patients get increased risk of pancreatic cancer and increased risk of melanoma. Uh, we talked about the BRCA genes, obviously breast cancer, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer. Um, but the one where the risk is confined to the pancreas are these uh, uh, familial pancreatic cases. These are very dramatic. Uh, The patients can present as teenagers with severe, unrelenting uh, pancreatitis, um, and uh, they have a very high lifetime risk of developing pancreatic cancer. In fact, in some situations, people have considered prophylactic pancreatectomy because their pancreas after years of pancreatitis is is essentially destroyed. It's no longer functioning, and uh, they have a very high risk of cancer. And uh, again, I'm not recommending it. Obviously, you have to each individual patient, but because the risk of cancer is confined to that one organ, some people have considered prophylactic pancreatectomy. Um, So, it's really a great example of understanding the germ, when you understand the germline variants that predispose to cancer, it can guide therapy, whether, uh, and in this case, since it's focused on the pancreas, the therapy should be focused on the pancreas. Uh, Thank you.
3: Uh, Another uh... Uh, issue, I guess. Clearly, if you discover a germline, then that that leads to. Like you said, the family members, uh, offspring, and, and, and brothers and sisters. So, is that uh, how well or, or uh, uh, how, uh, how effective has, has this been? I know you, this is an area of interest of you and, and part of the reason for the sole uh, Goldman cancer research initially. Uh, so, this familial has it helped in discovering earlier cancers? Have we saved some lives and uh, knowing that somebody has a germline mutation or has a family history?
4: Another great question, George. Thanks. So there are really two aspects to this. One is um, the uptake on other family members getting tested. And this is uh, uh, much harder than it sounds because to, you know, it, to learn that you have a germline variant that predisposes you to cancer fundamentally changes your life, right? You, you begin to worry about cancer and it's not trivial. And so ideally, the testing should be done with the guidance of a genetic counselor. But of course, now that so much is known about our germline, there aren't enough genetic counselors to counsel everyone. And so all too often, people can take their own sample, send it to a company, and the company will send you back your germline, and and no one has talked to you about what it means. So the inclusion of of, uh, thoughtful counseling is an important part of genetic testing. But you're right in your second question, how can we translate the knowledge? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, you're going to get hit on the head, but not tell someone when they're going to get hit on the head. It doesn't do them a lot of good. It's a, but how can we intervene and prevent them from getting hit on the head? And so there are a number of early detection efforts often focused on high-risk groups such as these families. Mimi Canto, my colleague here at Hopkins in gastrology, has a really uh, beautiful program program called CAPS, Cancer of the Pancreas Screening, in which individuals with a strong family history with a germline mutation who are asymptomatic undergo uh, periodic endoscopy uh, because it doesn't use radiation or MRI scanning. And she's shown that if you detect a cancer in this way, that's the uh, prognosis, the survival is better than patients who are detected uh, based on symptomatology and actually just yesterday i got a uh, email from a dear friend uh, who had uh, uh, i've g- gotten to know because of he's, he has a strong family history and had a one centimeter cancer detected in his pancreas resected and he's he's now many years out and sent me a picture of bicycling on uh, the shores of maine uh, years later and so that's the cat's meow is when you can impact the life uh, save someone from uh, being diagnosed with an advanced cancer but it's hard um the 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 risks are are great if you overdiagnose a cancer. um so you have to have a highly sensitive, highly specific test. Um but I'm optimistic. Excellent. So I, I guess uh, we can now switch
3: gears and uh, in the remaining few minutes uh, talk about the precancers, uh, which I know uh, that you, together with uh, Dr. Vogelstein's group, ha- have done a lot in terms of uh, uh, shedded uh, DNA and, and the fluids of these uh, cells. Can you share with our audience, you know, what are the take-home messages of where we are right now with these precursors, uh, and what are the opportunities to improve uh, upon basically the challenges? that that you face for several years now.
4: Yeah, thanks, George. Excuse me. So um, just as invasive cancers have been sequenced, so have a variety of different precancerous lesions. And the real beauty here, and you alluded to this earlier, is that the pattern of mutations... Parallels the type of cyst. So, um, based on the mutations that are present, one can predict: is this going to be a serous cystic neoplasm of the pancreas? If it has a VHL mutation, is it going to be an intraductal papillary mucinous neoplasm? If it has a GNAS or KRAS mutation, and so on. And so, uh, it's very nice as someone who uh, you and I are both fundamentally trained as morphologists to see a, a great correlation between morphology and the molecular. And this, of course, then, as you said, allows endoscopists if 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 they have a cyst that's of uncertain type to uh, do endoscopy, stick a needle in it, withdraw some fluid and sequence that fluid. Um, and my, my colleague, Arthur Singhi at Pittsburgh, has done a great job of applying that clinically, where we can guide uh, our clinical colleagues to say, okay, this cyst that you thought was a, a precancerous interductal papillary mucinous neoplasm, actually the only mutation it has is a VHL mutation. It's probably a, a oligocystic serocyst adenoma. It doesn't need to come out. So there's a real potential in translating the knowledge of the genetics of precancerous lesions into improving patient care. Now, it's a little bit trickier than, than one would uh, expect at first, as is always the case in life, um, because uh, uh, to take one example, precursor interductal mucinous neoplasms, they don't form a, a single locule. They don't form a single cyst. It's more like a bunch of grapes. And each different locule can have a different degree of dysplasia. So if you stick a needle into one of the locules, into one of the grapes, and you only find the genetic changes that suggest low-grade dysplasia, it doesn't mean that an adjacent cyst doesn't have high-grade dysplasia. So sampling becomes a real challenge. You can you can know the worst that there is, right, by, by what you find, but you never know that uh, uh, that there isn't something else uh, right next door. And so the genetics, uh, genetic studies of uh, precursor lesions, and Laura Wood here at Hopkins has done a great job mapping out the heterogeneity is a, a very significant problem. That genetics are not homogeneous in terms of dysplasia. So we don't have a perfect marker for high-grade dysplasia.
3: Which, which, so I guess that's that would trigger when it's time to take that precursor lesion out. And and that variability and that heterogeneity is a problem because you may sit on a thinking it's a low grade. Uh, As far as, and you know that I read the paper very well. I always try to read your papers. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, you mentioned the ploidy, right? Uh, Having ploidy in addition and proteins in uh, analysis in addition uh, to just detecting the mutation.
4: Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you for the clarification that the mutations are very good for cyst type, but not so good for dysplasia. And I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. It's not going to be one simple test that's going to give the answer. It's going to be an integration of the molecular uh, and including aneuploidy uh, obviously the more aneuploid the the greater the risk of dysplasia the imaging findings right can we uh, integrate in you know don't ignore imaging don't ignore the patient Right. Again, uh, you know, we're not just treating a disease. You're treating a patient who has a disease, and I'm very excited about the potential of integrating all of these features to come up with a much better uh, predictor of uh, the the risk of a particular cystic neoplasm progressing to invasive cancer.
3: This uh, was very enjoyable. Thank you, and very informative, Ralph, as usual. Uh, You're a great speaker, and it's so nice that we uh, connected again. Uh, Let me me close by uh, quoting a phrase uh, from the manuscript that we discussed today. Uh, the code uh, should remind us all of, of the noble purpose of the hard work we put in translational pathology. And I always, I always uh, uh, mention you, Ralph, as uh, the, uh, the exemplary translational pathologist. And I try to model some of my progress uh, in my career and learned a lot from you. The code goes like this. Genetics is now providing hope where there once was no hope for those diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It's always about the patient and your hard work has definitely saved a lot of patient. Uh, on behalf of ModPass, uh, we thank you for the opportunity today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did.
4: I did, thank you for the opportunity, George, and it's simply great to see you and the admiration is mutual, thank you.
2: Thank you, my friend, have a great day.
0: Acast recommends comedy podcasts we love. All right, Trexel, I've got a brief. Uh, Stella Firma, the sci-fi improv comedy podcast available on all good podcatchers, needs a jingle. So off you go. Right, right. Uh, 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 All the pressure. Uh, Ooh, it's a sound you hear. It's in your ears. Where is it coming from? Stella Firma, they're going to design a planet and it's going to be so much fun. Join Trexel and David, a man who's great and a clone who is a fool. Yes, it is. Rude completely rude but I guess they should just listen to Stella Firma to find out more Kapow Acast is the home of UK comedy podcasts including Off Menu Dear Joan and Jerrica and
3: the one you're listening to right now